0: It was just before two o'clock, and I was in Central Park waiting for my dog to poop when I realized I wasn't the man I thought I was. It sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? It was January thirteenth. I went and looked up the date. It was a Thursday, and I was talking on the phone with a former coworker. I was in Central Park. That's about the time I walk Simba. He's our four-year-old black Sharpei uh, that we adopted just about a year ago now, and that's the time where it's dog walkers usually. There's some people in the park, but it's fairly abandoned. Some school kids sometimes will be, depending on how cold it was. Uh, this day it was in the 40s, like cold enough that I was wearing a park. And I was, as I said, talking to a former coworker using my Beats, my Power Beats Bluetooth headphones, if you must know. So, yeah, kind of obnoxious. And it was a conversation just to check up. It had been a little bit more than four months since I'd been let go from 710 ESPN Seattle. And it was somebody that hadn't talked to me since then, was just kind of checking to see how I was doing. And he asked, you've still got your wife's job, right? And I froze for a second. I could, I could feel kind of the, the blood rush to my head, like the, your peripheral vision kind of brightens, like it's an emotional flash. And you're not quite sure what's, what's causing it, but you know that like, whoa, something happened there. And it had nothing to do with the question. Like the question was super well-intentioned, it was really someone who was just sort of trying to make sure that I had some economic footing, because I'd had some freelance work, but I don't my the magazine story I wrote for Pacific Northwest Magazine hadn't been published yet. I was doing a newsletter, but it was just this question, and I thought a lot about why I reacted that way. And I'm kind of embarrassed. And it's not because of anything I said or did after that because I didn't do anything. Like I, I I froze for just a second, resumed the conversation, got off the phone like it wasn't. But I know what that was. And it was a flash of insecurity or uncertainty or maybe a little bit of, of ego that kind of got twisted there. But it was honestly something that I, I really kind of thought I was past. And I've continued... To to think about what that means. I'm Danny O'Neill. This is the dang apostrophe. It's a podcast tied to a newsletter that I write. Um, if you're interested in some of the perspective I have, and increasingly with the podcast, some of the thoughts I have about myself. Uh, <laughs> last week we were talking about my 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 need to rein in Twitter fights, and this week I'm gonna talk about how it felt to realize that. I'm feeling some insecurity over my current job or lack thereof. And like I said, I, I really, I really thought I was past that because look, for years I have said to anyone who will listen that we're gonna pivot off my wife Sharon's job. There there are reasons for that, not just her sort of ambition, but I've I've bounced around jobs but I haven't ever stayed happy at a job. Like that's I've I've worked now I've worked at the Seattle Times 3 times. I've worked at the Seattle Post-Intelligencer and now I've worked at at 710 ESPN Seattle and, and in each case it's somewhere between 4 and 7 years I start getting antsy. And and I think some of that is because I embrace new challenges, but some of that is because I've I don't think I have the healthiest view toward what I expect from my job. And, I mean, going back to before Sharon and I were married, I, I said that I would be the one that would take on primary childcare responsibilities when we, we thought we'd have children. Because when we first got married, I, I think both our expectation was that we were going to have kids. It wasn't something we agreed to do or agreed not to do I think it was we both kind of felt that was probably the way we knew that neither one of us was against having children but for neither one of us was it a deal breaker and my my position then was I'll, I'll be the primary child care provider my, I my my ambition is to write like my primary ambition and that's still true and you can do that part-time like you don't need a nine-to-five job to do that like you don't you don't have to work full-time and more recently Kind of especially as Sharon went to graduate school in 2015, got her MBA, the we'd both talked about sort of the, the fact that if if we moved, it would be for her job. Um, part of that is because I didn't trust myself to stay happy in a job I moved for, and that would be the worst if you, as a couple, moved and then had the person who precipitated the move become unhappy. That that would be that would be very difficult but also just because i'm i'm still working toward a job that i have and find long-term happiness in so this idea that my ego or my sense of self was dependent upon being employed or being sort of the quote-unquote breadwinner like it's never been that i'm not it's been several years since Sharon started making more money and now significantly more money than I did. And I've, I've never felt threatened by that. Like I, I, I I think that's, I think that's pretty honest. Like, I don't think I'm just saying that when we were both, because when we met, we were both reporters. We were both in a, it sounds weird to say now, a three-year internship. The Seattle Times used to have these, these three-year interns. And it was... Like honestly, it was a great opportunity to get experience. I was in my twenties and working at a much bigger paper than I would have otherwise, but you didn't make very much money. Like it was definitely but the experience was it worked out very well for me. And Sharon, she started that program earlier than I did, but she was promoted out of it and, and got a full time job before I did. I I've never been competitive with her. And I tell the joke that like I was smart enough to recognize she's smarter than me. And, and there's some of that that is me playing into a comedy bit or sort of a role. But I've never, I've never felt that sort of, I've never felt sort of my ego or my sense of self threatened by her intelligence, her accomplishments, her ambition. Like none of those things. Like I really, and, and that, that, that part's true. It's one of the reasons that I feel so lucky to be partnered with her because I do think that, that she, she challenges me in, in ways and that I don't feel threatened. It's, 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 it's one of the things that I admire most about her. And so going back to that day in the park, what, what I realized is that there's kind of this gap between what I said I was ready for and what I was actually feeling there's a gap between because when we moved to New York and even let's go back a little bit before that, because when she was offered the job, she was offered a job in New York. And when we talked about it and, and decided to take it because I did have, and she blatantly said like, we won't move if you don't want to. Um, so (laughs) It feels weird to say. I was given veto power because that's not really how it worked, but it was very clearly like, we're not going to do this unless I wanted to do it. And and I did want to do it. And when she decided to accept the job, I assumed that would mean that I was leaving the radio station. So this is the summer of 2019. I, I, I assumed that that was, that meant that I was going to be departing. And I went in and talked to the my supervisors there my direct supervisor and then the person who was the station manager at that point and pretty quickly in a day or two the possibility of me working remotely came up but that was not something that we did not decide to move with the understanding that I was going to be able to continue to work for the radio station she accepted the job and my expectation was that I would be going to New York and starting sort of my own from scratch figure out what I was going to do, whether that was as a freelance writer, whether that was continuing to piece together some different kind. I wasn't sure exactly how I was figuring going to figure it out, but I was excited about that, that uncertainty and that possibility. And pretty quickly it was, well, would you be willing to work remotely? Would you consider doing that? And there were a lot of reasons that that was attracted to me. The first and primary one being it would kind of smooth my transition, that I wouldn't be moving to a new city with no structure and just a blank slate of here, figure it out in a place that I didn't know, that I would have some time, essentially. And so the agreement was that I would do it for at least a year, give it a shot for at least a year. I ended up doing it for two. And as last summer was unfolding and there was clearly uncertainty at the radio station about the future of the show that I was working on and what direction I wanted to go as well. It was kind of like, okay, two years later, I was going to be making the transition that I expected to make when Sharon first moved to New York back in August, September, 2019. That, that was kind of what I felt was happening. And, And that's that's true. That's kind of how it's worked out. I've I'm figuring some things out. I'm piece it. This newsletter and the podcast are part of it. The freelance stories are part of it. Finding clients to write for is part of it. Like there's there's a lot of really positive things that that have happened. It's also uncertainty. Right? I haven't done it before. So you don't know if it's gonna work out. And you're trying something new and trying to see how the skills I have work in other applications. And that's exciting. There's also some fear with that. And I've, I've tried sort of through the past few months to keep very much in touch with the, the uncertainty is an exciting part of this. Like it's not good and it's not bad, it just is. And we crave certainty. As humans, like we, though this, is, this I guess I'm gonna reference a uh, Pima Chodron. She's a a Buddhist nun, um, and she's written she's written a number of books. Uh, Things Fall Apart is a beautiful one. Uh, Living Beautifully is the one that I've read most recently, and it is about finding beauty in transition. One of the points she makes is that we fear change as humans. Like generally, like all the phrasing, I just need to get my feet back on the ground. I just need to get things settled. Once things things mellow out here, once I find my footing. All of these phrases are part of our desire to find stability and 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 feel confident about what we're experiencing. Yet a fundamental nature, like an unavoidable reality of being human is uncertainty, right? Like we're constantly dealt and and have to face changes we didn't anticipate we're kind of constantly in a state of flux and we fear that but if you can accept it there can be a beauty in that uncertainty too i i find this to be a very inspiring thought that so i could be afraid that this transition i'm not going to be able to find consistent enough work or i'm not a good enough writer to have people by my work by the piece or left to my own devices i don't have the ambition or the inner drive to be able to consistently produce without a deadline like all of those things look those are those are fears those are possibilities on the flip side every fear that i have sh- should be, have at least as much and probably more opportunity it might turn out that my work is much more valuable than it ever was when I was working on a staff somewhere. It might turn out like actually having control of the marketing of my work might open doors that I didn't think were there. The, the fact that I don't have to write or discuss material that I'm expected to do because that's within my job, the fact that I get to determine my own subject matter might be more fulfilling for me than anything that i've ever done before i might find happiness in this which i haven't been able to maintain in other jobs that i've had so that's been sort of one of the underlying challenges for me is to keep and embrace the the uncertainty that's there what i was surprised at and what came out in the conversation with the former coworker, was that I do feel and have a little bit of insecurity about being sort of the caboose or the trailer that's attached to my wife's economic locomotive. And I really I I really thought I was past that. And this isn't meant to be sort of a beating me up, beating myself up over sort of my inner chauvinist being being, being emerging. I think it does show How deeply embedded gender roles and gender norms are, even for someone like me. That, like, I would say that that's been a point of pride for me that I have worked to not find myself beholden to those and those expectations. And I think a lot of the decisions that I've made as an adult reflect that, whether it is never expecting that my job would would be sort of the the north star that that sharon and i navigated by in fact resisting that because i knew that there are some issues with sort of my stability at workplaces that that between the two of us it's probably much better to navigate off of hers because she's more stable and i think has a healthier uh, understanding and 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 balance of, of how she deals with work. Um, like all of those things are points of pride for me. And to feel that moment of you've got your wife's job. And there was just this, I, I really, I could feel my body just kind of like, Rrr, like Rrr, I was uncomfortable. And is that because it's weird to be economically dependent? Like I'm my health insurance is covered by her job. I'm not paying rent right now. I, I don't I don't contribute to our monthly rent payment right now and that's I haven't done that since I was 19. like i have not i rem I remember the last month I didn't pay rent because I was living at home uh my stepfather had had he had kidney stones and they were obviously incredibly painful he was he was not a pleasant person to be around anyway. And so then he's like very physically uncomfortable. I remember there was one time he came home, and you'd feel this sort of pall that would come over my siblings and I when he came in the door. Like it wasn't like there was a mood change. Like that that dude like he exerted like emotional weight, and he came in, kind of looked at us, and I looked back at him. I didn't say a word, and then he went upstairs, and I was like, "That's whatever." And and my mom came down. My mom's just the sweetest lady. My mom comes down and she goes, don't you think you could, you, you could say hi to him? It's just like, he didn't say hi to me. And she, and she, it's it's not fun. It is funny. It's not funny. No, it is funny. Because what she said to me is, do you understand we're dealing with a health situation here that's uncomfortable for all of us? So anything you could do like would be appreciated, which is so sweet of my mom, right? And like in my head, it was like, I'm never living in this house again. <laughs> like, I, I've got to kiss his butt when he comes home because he doesn't feel good, which is probably pretty acceptable for a 19 year old. So that was the last summer I lived at home. Like after that, i never came back. I never lived in that house again. Um, and that's the last time I didn't pay rent. So I'm not doing that right now. And, and these are all, none of this is surprising like, this is this is part of the plan that n- not just we set out, that I agreed to, that I embraced. And here I am kind of feeling uncomfortable about it. And I don't mind being uncomfortable. And this gets back to sort of that being okay in transition with uncertainty. It means that it's new and it's different, right? there's also something about this that has shown me the gap between intention and action that the intentions we have the I'm not beholden to my job for my sense of identity like that's easier to think than it is to feel when you do it and there are going to be some inevitable feelings that you have like I don't I don't think you can control your feelings. Like I think you can influence your feelings, but I don't think you can control them. I think there are certain there are certain things that happen that have an emotional trigger in you that you're I think they're always going to happen. Like you can't you can't stop how you feel. If you if something happens that makes you mad, you can learn how to how to process that feeling or not act on that feeling, but that I think of it as like a guitar string that's being plucked. Like when, when, when your emotional and emotional trigger happens, like you don't have any control over that guitar string being plucked. Now you do have the ability to, after it's plucked, kind of put your hand over it and stop it from vibrating. Or I guess, I don't know enough about guitar to carry this metaphor, so I'm just going to stop. Or you can just sit there and let it vibrate and make this big blaring sound. But you don't have that... So that, whether it's male ego or just sort of that sense of adult responsibility, like that question from that coworker plucked that guitar string. And, and I felt it. Like I felt it in the moment. Like I, I, I legitimately got Simba on the leash and you kind of felt this. And I didn't act on it at all, but I've thought about it a lot and that i that idea of there being this gap between who i thought i was or sort of the the principles that i believe i hold and whether my feelings as i go through this and it is it's unprecedented for me like i'm not going to sit here and oh my gosh there's so much anxiety cuz there's not like i'm really and People deal with really extreme financial stress all the time. I am not dealing with extreme financial distress. Like I am in an incredibly, like I have an incredible luxury, privilege, like all of those words that you wanted to, like I've got some time to figure out exactly how this is going to work. And there's been some encouraging signs so far. There have been some things that are a little more unexpected. I thought it would be easier for me to get bylines with online publications than it has been. But these are all microscopic, like small items of, of concern. Like by and large, like I am happy. I am excited by the the uncertainty. I'm having fun doing things. I don't know if this podcast is gonna stay in this direction of basically me peering into my soul or my belly button, depending on how worthwhile you think my self pondering is. But but I'm enjoying experimenting with that like i i've found over the course and this is primarily from my time on on radio is that i think that's the way that i've made the strongest connections with people is a willingness to talk about either errors that i've made, uncertainties that i feel. I mean all the different stuff, whether it's talking about me having depression and medicated for that or having a drinking problem, like all those sort of things. Like i i i feel being honest about those things is is a way It builds connection with people. I don't know if I want want to continue doing that, but I'm enjoying that process. And through that, there's some other moments where I'm kind of, I feel like I'm like, I feel like I crossed a line I didn't think was there where I was like, oh, oh, turns out, turns out I do have a little bit of anxiety about not being the breadwinner and imagining what Sharon's coworkers when they ask what her husband does and she's like well he's got a newsletter right now and he just got a bunch of stickers made for it what's his newsletter called it's called the dang apostrophe whoa i have no idea what that means like there's there's a certain like i don't know how all of this is going to turn out and i after thinking about sort of how do i feel about my feelings how do I feel about the fact I'm a little bit more insecure than I thought or maybe have a little bit more ego or identity tied up into my job that I thought I feel excited I feel excited because this is a chance for me to live a life that is truer to my principles and to test out the things that I believe about myself and to see if, if I am able to live by the beliefs that I think I hold and if that means that I need to do some things to sort of work on how I respond to some of those uncertainties, or maybe it's just the process of actually doing it and thinking about it in a difference in a different way and realizing that, oh, there is a gap between intention and action. And then wondering if like that, that might be a reason like I'm a white male, I'm a white cis male in America. And I've said and raised my I believe that 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 other groups, women, people of color, people of of different sexual orientation, different gender, like all of those issues that I I have an incredible amount of privilege and making sure that I don't have more privilege or that other people's opportunities match up to mine might mean that white males get a little less of those latent advantages that have been baked into the system and it might feel like you're losing something and maybe it's easier to think i'm ready for a more equitable egalitarian society than it is to feel like oh what about mine oh well i didn't think it was going to cost me my opportunity oh well i didn't i didn't think going here would be i just thought i'd go get another job or all of a sudden people would be lining up to have me write for them it there's a little uncertainty here. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if I like this. And an opportunity to to make sure that my actions match up to my beliefs. Started this by saying that I realized I wasn't the man I thought I was. And this is a chance to be that person. To have have my actions and and the things that I do actually attest in some ways. But that's not really the right word. Because... It's, it's putting some of those ideas into action and seeing how that feels. And I believe on the other side of this, I will have the sort of the energy and maybe the feeling of accomplishment that you get when you do something you didn't know if you could do. When I switched to radio in 2013, I didn't know if I'd be good at it. There were a lot of people that thought I was not particularly good at it. And I didn't have ego wrapped up in that. Like there wasn't, if if after a year they'd come to me and said, we really appreciate everything you've done, but we got to go in a different direction here because it's just not working. I would have been bummed. Like I would have been like, oh, that feels lousy. But it wouldn't have felt the same as if I'd gotten fired as a newspaper reporter. Like if I'd gotten fired as a newspaper reporter, like there is definitely, they would have been like, oh my gosh, like this is what I've invested that was part of my identity that was what i really have have a sense of self wrapped up in and that would have caused sort of a crisis getting fired from radio it, it's a it's it it was and is a really fun opportunity that i've learned a lot from but it's not it's not as 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 baked into what i think of what i want to be good at um and Maybe there's a little bit of that too, of I'm writing query letters to places like Slate and Salon, GQ, and not hearing back that maybe that hurts a little bit more than hearing someone say, I'm terrible on the radio or use the word like too many times where I'm like, yeah, that might be true. But man, I didn't train to do this. Like I'm supposed to be good at writing. So that's probably another subject though. I've done enough uh, about sort of my ideals or my, my tests. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you did, feel free to let me know. And if you didn't, like feel free to let me know too. Like again, this is it, it's some of this is me talking about my internal process. And I'm interested in doing that, but I can understand why other people wouldn't be interested in hearing about it and would be like, hey, talk some Russell Wilson. Tell me about Kyler Murray. So if you got feelings about the subject matter, don't don't hesitate. You can always reach me on Twitter email. Uh, It is Danny O'Neill. I have a newsletter, the dang apostrophe that I'd love for you to sign up for at Substack, or you can listen to the podcast uh, right here, wherever you get podcasts.